This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Nidell, and today's episode is Breaking the Habits. So if we go all the way back to episode 54, I believe, it's the first episode where I have Lindsay on the show. Lindsay's my wife. Been with her for four, four and a half years now. Got married May 19th. And we have been through the ringer. And we've been through the ringer because I put her through that ringer. It was no fault of hers. She had no idea the things I was doing in the first part of our relationship, the infidelities and the inability to tell the truth and just a bunch of crazy shit. And I don't want to belittle a fact that many of you guys have already listened to and, and understand. If you don't, I encourage you to go back to episode 54. It's a little bit lengthy. It's an hour and 20 minutes, but it fully dives into her perspective of the basically the infidelities, my, my inability to tell the truth. And through that and through life up until this point, I realized how many negative habits I had carried around for years that were dictating the way that I operated. Now, some of you may think, like, that's bullshit. Like, if, if, you, if it's a habit, you can break it. And I completely agree with that. I believe that habits are created and then also then can be destroyed. But you have to have tools to break that habit. You need to understand that there is a negative pattern that you wish to break. And so what I found is, from the feedback through the first 60, 65, 70 episodes, is that my episodes that have more tactical advice seem to resign and touch you guys a little bit more. And so what I want to do in this episode is share with you some practical application pieces on how I broke habits and recreated and reframed new habits that have a healthier outcome. I had got myself into a habit early in my life. And that habit was the habit of not being able to have difficult conversations. The habit was created, now that I can look back, it was created by the fact of growing up in a household where my mother and father argued all the time. And these arguments weren't always knock down, drag out, verbal, like screaming matches. Very rarely did it escalate to that point. The arguments came from the lack of communication between the two of them. I distinctly remember sitting around our, at our small four-person kitchen table in a little house we had in Mansfield, Ohio. And we're sitting there and we're, we're having dinner. My, I always sat with my back to the front window. My mother always sat to the left, which was right by the door to exit into the garage. My sister would sit with her back against the wall in front of this picture of you know the, the old people from a farm, you know, with the man holding the pitchfork. It was a recreation of that. And my father then would sit to the right right in front of a, an old rotary-style phone. The one, a lot of younger listeners might not remember this, but you usually have to put your phone, finger in a phone and spin it around number by number to get the right combination to dial the phone. So we had one of those in our kitchen. We had a landline, it's called. And I remember sitting at that table, and we would be having dinner, and it would be absolutely silent. The tension was so thick and so palpable, you could have easily cut it with one of the butter knives that was sitting at the table. It was so painfully obvious that my mother and father were not getting along. Moreover, that they probably at that point hated each other for whatever their reasons were. Lack of com communication, lack of sex, lack of agreement, lack of intimacy, lack of something had created this wedge. Now, granted, I know at this point in my life, as I sit here today as a 34-year-old man, that the day that my father came home to my mother and she sat him down and told him that she was pregnant with me when they were living in Cincinnati, 
was the same day that my father planned on divorcing my mother and serving her with divorce papers. I was the catalyst at that point of keeping them together during that time. So they had a long track record, a long history of things probably not really being lined up, staying together for many of the wrong reasons. But I now have started to learn a behavior in which anytime I would speak up about something I didn't like or something that I didn't do the right way, yet that anger and animosity from my father came down on me swiftly. It came down on me abruptly. It came down on me with a vengeance. That was our relationship. Nothing was good enough. And so I bared the brunt of that blow. I'm not saying that my mother and father didn't also have their knockdown, drag out fights or that there weren't things that went on behind the scenes that I wasn't privy to. All I know is I eventually started to feel like the scapegoat for much of the tension that was so thick that you could cut it with that butter knife. I was the one that if I was late to come home for dinner at 6 o'clock and it's 6.02 and I'm walking in, that the, the tongue lashing and the frustration that my father would take out on me at that point was monumental to my young fourth grade psyche. Now, I don't have a vivid enough memory of that to be able to paint what it's like under my current way of viewing the world. These are things that I have to go back in my mind and search for these episodes, but those, these episodes, these things like this continued on all throughout my youth and eventually got replaced. When my mother and father got divorced at 14, these things got replaced by new inabilities to have difficult conversations because my mother started dating a guy that was an alcoholic who used to come home and try to pick fights with me. And instead of having the balls to sit down with my mother at 14 or 15, moreover 14, when she sat me down and said, I've spent the past 14 years raising you and your sister, it's now your turn. I'm gonna go live my life, you're responsible now. At that point, I should have had the fucking balls and the gall to sit her down and say, whoa, 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 hold on. If you don't want me around, I'll go live with dad, I'll go do something else. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? But at 14, that wasn't the case. There was part of me that wanted to stand up and be the quote-unquote man and run the household. There was part of me that looked forward to the fact that she wouldn't be around so I'd have my alone time. There were all these things racing through my mind, but none of them ended up in a difficult conversation with my mother. It took me a full three additional years, fast forward to 17, turning into 18, I'm born in March, where my mother's alcoholic, at that point, boyfriend, maybe slash fiance, comes home yet again from a night at the bar. It's 2.33 o'clock in the morning, and he's pounding on my door telling me how ungrateful I am that I'm just like my father. So the next morning, next day, at some point in the future, very near to that day, I sit down with my mother finally and say, I can't do this anymore. I don't deserve to be treated this way. There's more to life for me than this. Like at 17, I shouldn't have to deal with these things. And again, it could have been 18. And I don't want to paint the complete wrong picture because as my mother was going out partying and drinking at the bars, that left my house open for me to have my friends over and do much the same. So you can't have the good without the bad. I can't give somebody only the shit side of the sandwich if I don't give them the accolades as well. 
And so through this, I have this conversation with my mother and she finally apologizes. You're right. I'm sorry. It won't happen again. You don't deserve this. I'll talk to her. Randy was his name. It won't happen. Lo and behold, another week or 10 days later, the exact same thing happens yet another time. And when it happens this time, I finally decide enough is enough. I'm going to move out of the house. So I eventually pack all my things up, wait till they're asleep, maybe get up a little early in the morning, whatever it is. I pack all the things up that I bought myself and put them into the car that I owned and I left. And so if I look back now from essentially my 18th year on this planet backwards, the majority of the formative memories that I have were the fact that I was afraid of confrontation. I wasn't taught that it's okay to have difficult conversations, and when a difficult conversation happens, that everyone still loves each other afterwards. That never came out. Now, I'm not using this to justify my behavior, because there is no justification. How I live my life from 19 or 20 until 32, 31, is rather deplorable. I'm not proud of my actions, but my actions are just that. They're mine. I have to own them. So when I look at this and I realize the fact, like, holy shit, my formative years, there were things that could have happened that were different. And I I truly believe at this point in life, any of you that are listening, any of us that care about where we're going next, if you look back from the ages of four to about 12, male or female, and you really dive into the formative years where you're developing as a young adult, a young human, and you're coming up with your own ways to deal with problems and situations, If you're not fostered in such a way that you're able to navigate these troubled waters, there's going to be future issues that manifest themselves in your adult lives. And when that happens, you'll have to take time out to analyze what those things are and get help from someone. I don't care if it's a fucking book, a psychiatrist, a business coach, a life coach, someone that has the qualifications to help you work through the things that you didn't know you needed help with. I believe at the root cause of all the shit that goes on, it's during those years. And so what has happened, I've I've built these walls around having these tough conversations because if I have tough conversations, there's always instant bad things that happen. My mother said she wants nothing basically to do with me. My father's aggressive. My mother doesn't stick up for me. Like there's now formative items that have happened that have changed the way that I view the world. And so fast forward as I get into my first relationships, my first serious relationships. And I realize the fact that the girl that I'm dating is a wonderful girl. She's just not a wonderful girl for me. Great family, great life, caring, attractive, salt of the earth, wonderful person. But there was just something that was missing. And instead of ever sitting down and having the tough conversation of saying just what I said, that she was wonderful and there was nothing wrong with her, but I I needed to go, I never did that. Not only did I not do that, I would try to drive a wedge between myself and her to the point that she would have to break up with me so I wouldn't be the bad guy. I'd work extra long hours, I'd come home late, I was never disrespectful so much Certainly my actions, but never verbally disrespectful to her. But I never did the right thing. And so what eventually happens is I got tired of that relationship to the point that I knew I should have left. I didn't leave. 
I'm on the hunt for another girlfriend, and magically, one appears. It's not really so magic. That's the way the world works. And so these situations, I won't bore you with all those details. Those are in previous episodes. But these things carry over on one on top of the other. So at one point, I'm dating three or four women at the same time because I'm too fucking weak in any situation to sit down and just have a tough conversation. I'm so egotistical in that moment that I truly believe that me breaking up with this person is going to end their life in some capacity. And I don't want to be riddled with the guilt I'll have. Like, how fucking comical is that? At this point, to the best of my knowledge, every one of those women that I had dated, that I had done things wrong with, are married, have children, and live a completely wonderful life. As they should. See, I realize in their lives, I'm not that important. I'm certainly important in my own life, but I don't have any weight in theirs. I came into their life for a reason, potentially even just for a season, but I was there. Now, as I go forward... I got to a point, bringing this full circle, where I finally met a woman that was worth more than the ones before. That woman is now my wife, Lindsay. And in the first part of our relationship, the first six months or so, I was not faithful. I carried over the same bad habits that I'd shared all throughout my 20s. I was dating a woman when I met Lindsay. I was not able to sit down and have tough conversation with this woman because of the kids she had and the life she had and all the memories we created and whatever the bullshit stories were that I told myself, I wasn't able to ever just stop. And so I found Lindsay, I said I was single, and here we go again. But eventually the day comes that my ex-girlfriend and Lindsay meet each other face-to-face and not on pleasant terms. Again, refer back to episode 54. And so what happens is I'm faced with a decision. Do I want to continue on the same path that I've been on over the past, I'll just call it 31 years of my life? Or do I finally want something a little bit better? Is there a bigger reason for this than just myself? And I decide there is. The difference in this situation is Lindsay in these moments of despair doesn't ever scream at me. She doesn't run away from me. She doesn't leave me. She doesn't abandon me. She doesn't hit all those triggers that had happened from every other part of my adolescent life. And I don't know if she knew these things at that point or did not, but for whatever her reason, she didn't hit those switches. And so it felt different. But I'm a slow learner. And when I got caught the first time in September, October, I ended up Parting ways with the ex, but not really. Just enough to keep her at bay as I figured out what I wanted and tiptoe back and forth and didn't still want to hurt her any more than I already had. Blah, blah, blah. Still fucking weak. But then, November 4th comes around. And I come home from work. Come home from the office. Come home from trying to figure out how to shut down the company that I have that's failing quietly. And Lindsay's on the couch, shaking, mad, livid, furious. It's dark outside. It's November in Ohio is not the most pleasant time. It's dark early. And she's sitting there in our dark living room just steaming. And so she lays it out that she knows that I've still been communicating and spending time with and going on dates with and doing God knows what with this other woman. And who the fuck am I to do that? And rightfully so, she hits me with an ultimatum, finally. If you want to continue to go on that path with your life, you are more than welcome to, but you must leave the house we just got together. 
you must go. Go have that life. But if you want something more and you want me to continue to see the value in you that I know is there, you'll stay. It was not a hard decision in that moment. I knew in my heart I didn't want to be with this other woman. I was just so scared of the ramifications of those conversations. I was scared of these people and this life that I had built being reduced to rubble in front of me. Afraid of the children that she had, that I had grown accustomed to and had my own bond with. Afraid of what would happen to them as I disappeared from their lives. Lo and behold, three and a half years later, everything's good. From what I understand, this woman is also married. Kids are well adjusted. Life is great for her. Just as I ultimately knew it would be. So here I am going into the Christmas season of 2014. And I'm faced with the reality that I have to start creating some new behaviors, some new patterns. I have to break the old habits that used to confine me and also define me. And so when I look at what enabled me to be such a piece of shit. Admittedly, it was my fucking phone to start with. How easy is it with a passcode on your phone to do God knows what, God knows how, God knows when, when you're not in the presence or even in the presence of your partner? I'm like, all right. I so, I so basically I sat down and I analyzed what were the things I was doing that I had control of that I could change to start to chip away at this habit. These weren't things that Lindsay's sitting down saying I had to do, which is exactly what every past girlfriend had said, and rightfully so. These were my ideas of saying to her, look, I'm going to take the passcode off my phone and leave it out face up, notifications on, so if anybody texts me at any time, you can feel free to answer it. She never asked for it. To this day, right now, sitting in the studio, my phone does not have a passcode on it. Some might say that's foolish. There's things that what happens if your phone gets stolen? If my phone gets stolen, number one, I deserve to have all my shit rummaged through. And number two, if my life's that fucking secretive or your life's that secretive that you have to have a passcode on your phone, you're probably doing the wrong shit in your life anyways. So I take the passcode off my phone. Then we share email. Like joint computer, global network inside the household, everything's consolidated. So at any given point, Lindsay can see anything she wants to. Again, these are not her ideas. These are things that I come up with. I'm like, I know I can change these. And so I do. And these might seem like micro commitments to you in the moment. Like, what's the big deal? You just took the passcode off your phone. If you wanted to cheat on her, you still could. That's absolutely true. But what I feel fucks up most people's ability to break a habit is they try to go too big. You have to take this habits you want to either break or de develop and reduce it to the ridiculous. You have to take very small steps and be able to create habits with them and patterns every day that replace the old ones. You see, I was so accustomed to waking up in the morning, sneaking off to the bathroom and texting somebody else that that's what the fuck I was planning on doing. So I can replace that habit and that bad attitude and that bad position in life by taking my phone, getting up and texting Lindsay in the morning. It's just that simple. I replace the habit. Instead of scrolling through Instagram and looking for my next 
prey, if you will, the next attractive woman, the next busty, curvy, fit girl of the of the day for me to oogle over and see what she's up to, I can start deleting people from social media that don't add value to my life, that I don't have an actual relationship with, that I don't truly know that I could call them on the phone. And sure, as time progressed over and over, if you went to my Instagram page now, you'll see I still follow women that I don't know who the fuck they are. I've used two different software programs to follow and unfollow people to help grow my social media following. And what's happened is through that, I get all types of different people. And I'm certainly not saying that I have not still went back at some point and followed people I had no damn business following. Just now it's a conscious thing in my mind if I'm scrolling through my feed and I see someone that doesn't line up with my current values, that if Lindsay was sitting next to me, would I want her to see this woman with her tits out? If that answer is no, I remove the temptation. Now the temptation is not strong. I don't really care. Who knows where these people are from or what they're about and Lord knows I'm certainly not going to go after them and get any attention from them. But there's no point in having them in my circle of vision. So I eliminate them and it's easy and it's powerful because it's daily. Same thing goes for Facebook. For a long time, I was adding anybody and everybody I could on Facebook because I was marketing for my clothing company on Facebook. So I have men and women from all over the country that I have no idea who they are. It's pretty simple to start unfollowing them, to change those habits. I also used to consistently, no matter where I went, I still do this today in the fact that I'm gregarious and outgoing. I make eye contact, I smile, I shake someone's hand, nice to meet you, thank you very much. Just normal P's and Q's, if you will. But there is a way and there is an aura and there is an energy that I believe we all can project when we're looking to attract the attention of the opposite sex. And now I make very certain on a day-over-day basis that that energy doesn't exist. I have no doubt in my mind that some people in the world find me to be attractive, just as I find others to be attractive. But between the wedding ring that's always on my finger, my body language that leans away from conversations, and my lack of energy put out in the universe that's accepting these people to come into my circle, I don't have to fucking worry about it ever again. Because you see, it takes more than just one or two things to break down this habit. I spent 10 years in my adult life creating habits and, and situations that allowed me to lie and create untruths about where I was at, who I was with, what I was doing. I had all these shell games created to make certain I quote unquote couldn't get caught. And so if there are five or six things that you do that are habitually not good, you have to figure out micro commitments of equal or higher value to replace those things with. It's not enough just to say, I'm going to stop smoking because smoking is bad. Okay, you smoke 10 cigarettes a day. You are a habitual smoker. There is a habit associated with that that you go through that you might not even realize is happening. So you have to come up with a new trigger or an event. You have to replace that effect with a placebo. I don't care what it is. Maybe to flip a coin, maybe to chew a piece of bubble gum, go down the Nicorette path, whatever those things are, you have to replace it because it's not only the physical feeling of, of the nicotine hitting your lungs, it's all the sequential things that go up to it. It's getting the pack of cigarettes out of your pocket or out of your purse. It's tapping them on the bottom of the box for whatever that does. Everything gets knocked down in the filter. It's pulling one out, it's smelling it, it's putting it in your mouth and feeling it on your lips. 
It's the sound of the lighter that clicks as you light the end of the cigarette. It's the feeling as you inhale that first bit of nicotine. See, these are all things you have to now replace with another event. And if you don't come up with enough ways to replace those issues, you can't ever overcome the shit that holds you back. You have to create new habits to replace them. You know, I used to go to gyms and knew that there were women at gyms that I would want to hit on. Make eye contact for long enough, walk over to them. Again, the whole story of how Lindsay and I met. Episode 54. I knew I had that power inside of me at any gym in America at any time. I travel a lot. There's women everywhere. It's really fucking easy just to get your partner to go to the gym with you. So I make sure Lindsay comes with me whenever she's able to. And you could look at that now as a weakness, but I find power in it. I fully trust myself in any situation anywhere in the world. Never going to disrespect Lindsay or my family or break up everything that I've built. But it's taken three plus years of consistent habits and new patterns being formed to ensure the fact that I would never jeopardize what I have because the patterns from the past 10 years outweigh the patterns of the first three years. And I truly believe until I'm 10, 12 years in, those old patterns, if you don't watch it, they can re-manifest themselves. They can come back up and rear their ugly heads. But not in my life. Much like it shouldn't happen in yours. You see, if we're honest with ourselves, we all have things and habits that we're not proud of that we'd like to change. At one point, mine was porn. Fuck it. It's what it is. I used to look at porn consistently. Fantasize about other women. Think about whatever it is because I grew up looking at porn. I didn't have my first kiss until my senior year in high school. Dial-up modems came out when I was in, I don't know, third grade. I started looking at porn in third or fourth grade on the internet. And so it was habitual. I'd get alone with a computer or electronic device, and then one of the first things I would do organically then at that moment is look at porn. Crazy, right? Like I'm some, some sort of fucking weird sex addict. I don't think I am. I know now it's just a pattern and a habit. So I can replace those things. What happens is, as I decided that looking at porn was not serving me in any capacity of my life, I was able to take that phone, still have it in my hand, and start doing research on something that mattered. Bodybuilding at that point in life. Diet, nutrition, supplementation. At that point, steroids. Whatever it was, I could spend those whatever amount of time doing research on things that were not naked women having sex with strange men. Because that was a pattern. But every pattern needs a momentary pattern interrupt. It needs a moment in time where you decide that you are worth having more than the actions that you've currently been providing the universe. And when you truly have that moment that you can have that shift and you realize that you no longer want what doesn't serve you, I would encourage you to take out a sheet of paper and write down all the different shit you could do to replace it. And then come up with an implementation plan on how to actually do it. And then share it with people that you care about that can help hold you accountable. Not even the fact they're going to call and say, are you all right, did you do your shit today? No, just the fact of once you tell people, you probably don't wanna be embarrassed by having to go back and be like, man, I didn't do it. Yeah, I've been looking at porn like four times a week. That's bullshit. It's just plain bullshit. 
So in your life right now, if you were to analyze what I'll call the three sections of your life, you analyze your business. What part of your business right now do you have habits that don't serve you? Maybe you're just going through the motions every day. Maybe you're showing up just at, on time, not, any, not early at all. Maybe you're clocking out early. Maybe you're spending two hours a day cruising the web looking for shit that has nothing to do with your job because you're bored. See, these are all habits that if you're honest with yourself, don't serve you to get to somewhere else. They don't serve if you want to find another job. They don't serve if you want a promotion inside the current company you're with. So you're going to have to replace these patterns with something different. What could you replace them with? Could it replace a new pattern with the fact of maybe you're going to get up and go to a gym that's closer to your office? So that you know you're going to be there and you're not going to have to fight the rush hour traffic. You're going to force yourself to get out of bed a little bit earlier. Maybe when it comes to cruising the internet, that every time you're about to cruise the internet because you're bored as fuck with what you do at work, you do research on how to be a better employee inside your company. I don't know what your company is, but do research on what the products and services they offer. Do research on how to become a better salesperson. Find some information that makes you a better person instead of shopping on Amazon. Same thing with your body. What's the pattern that you go through right now? Is it that you eat fast food every day for lunch because you're at the office and it's easy? But you know every time you eat it, you feel like shit and you're spending an extra 15 bucks a day you don't really have. But the story you've told yourself is it's too expensive to eat clean. It's a simple pattern interrupt. Pattern interrupt is go to the grocery store on the weekend and try just once on Sunday cooking yourself five healthy meals that you can have every day for lunch. Buy yourself a, a five-pack of Tupperware. I would prefer glass because it, a lot of different reasons. But buy yourself something to hold your meals in and cook five meals on a Sunday and put them in the refrigerator, label them Monday through Friday. Every day, take one to the office. If you can do that and then redo that the next Sunday and continue to re-up on that, you know, this bullshit of 27 days to create a habit, I don't think that's true at all. I think it's almost double that, damn near triple that. I think it's closer to 66 days, 67. You know, 27 days you can fool yourself in today's society. It's a whole different ballgame. You make it two and a half months. So I'm going to encourage you to make it for two and a half months, almost a quarter of the year. Then it's going to become ingrained in you. Then it becomes who you are instead of what you do. And maybe it's in the relationship. Maybe the patterns you have in the relationship is every time you're not around your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, you seek the attention and adulation of a stranger because it makes you feel like you still have got it. And I think we're honest with ourselves. We've all been there at one point or another. The most self-assured people in the world like external validation. But instead of doing that, instead of being out at the bar with your friends or playing golf and hitting on the woman that serves you beer, anytime that pops up in your mind, step away for a moment and imagine how you felt the first time you met your partner. Imagine the first time you held him or her in your arms. Imagine how it was the first time you kissed their lips and then take your phone out of your fucking pocket and text message them something that matters. Tell them how you feel in that moment. Don't give that other person that energy. Start replacing the habit with something that benefits you. Your life will get better. I guarantee you that if you are able to start creating new habits that serve you versus limit you, and you can do that for the period of 66, 70, 80 days, call it a quarter of the year. If you can create those habits and change who you are now for the better part of a quarter of the year, you'll find out your life's incredible. And as your life becomes more incredible, you'll figure out that you can get shit 
done. Hey guys, Ryan here. Thanks for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume audio and subscribe to 15 Minutes to Freedom. If this brought you value, please do me a favor and drop me a five-star rating. Then share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it. For additional content, head over to ryannidell.com. That's R-Y-A-N-N-I-D-D-E-L.com.